Hello, everybody, and welcome to Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. In case you're new to the program, I'm Brandon Ellis. I'm your host and also the owner of Elatech. As we jump into the episode for today, I want to ask that you hit that follow button and subscribe button based upon the platform that you're listening on. And if you're listening specifically on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and you enjoy what you hear today, leave us a five-star rating and review. We sure would appreciate it. Now that we've got the marketing out of the way, I just want to say thanks for tuning in. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. Hey Beth. Hey Brandon. There we go. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> um, I almost missed it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's springtime, and yeah. for those of you out there listening, I'm singing a little baritone today because as the vehicles have turned yellow oh, from all the pollen, the flowers have started coming out. It's been beautiful. Weather's warming up. Yes. And my sinuses are locking up as a, resi- <laughs> as a result. So, um, so yeah, if I sound a little more... Uh, like a baritone today, you're, you're right. You're, 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 don't adjust your, don't adjust the station. Uh, so we're going to try to get through this today, but, um, yeah, spring. So Mother's Day, belated Mother's Day. Yes. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and soon to be moms. Yep. So did you, uh, did you do anything special on Mother's Day weekend with your, with your, oh, I, I got to see my mom, uh, the Tuesday beforehand. Oh, yeah. So it was so nice. You, yes. You we had a early. nice visit. Yep. So we, we went to see my mom as well. So, nice. I got to spend some time with her and see some friends. It was a good weekend. Good. It was a it was a nice weekend. Yeah. Uh, the weather kind of that was when you know the weather kind of started warming up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So wherever you are in on this this great green earth, uh, maybe spring is there. Maybe it's not. But in our yeah. part of the uh, of the hemisphere or the sphere, uh, it's becoming spring. Yes. And yeah. So all that comes with spring. <laughs> all the joys. That's right. I enjoy it, but I don't have the sinus problems that you do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a blessing. It's a curse. So um, let's jump straight into today's podcast. Okay. Well, remember, our, our goal, of yeah. course, is 35 to 40 minutes on our podcast. So we're, I think we went a little beyond that last That's time, okay. but we got closer. Yeah. We're we're honing in upon it. And of course, if you're new to industrial automation, it doesn't have to. The podcast is uh, primarily aimed toward folks that are in industrial automation, not necessarily in the technical and engineering part of industrial automation, but maybe in the business side, the management side. And so we're going to be talking about some of the things. So we talk about some of the technical topics, but we put that in a way that uh, it's more of a 30,000 foot view and also talk about how we can use that from a business standpoint Mm -hmm. to utilize that within some decisions within a manufacturing environment, both small and large. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that is from based upon what's trending, based upon what's going on, based upon what we hear from day to day from our customers and our users uh, and our website and social posts and comments we hear from folks and things of that nature. So uh, this podcast today is a continuation from the last podcast. And so what's the title today, Beth? All right. So today's title is Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to be Industry 4.0. Yeah. So yet there are a lot of definitions of Industry 5.0 when I was looking this up. Because remember, you said, do your research. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I did. <laughs> so we are talking about the topic is Industry 5.0. Yes. And so um, uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion today. But yeah, so you're right. There are a lot of definitions. Yes. A lot of people ask. I mean, this is... Really no different than we were we weren't doing the podcast then, but when we were the world was coming into industry four What is this stuff? What is an internet of things? What the heck is a thing and that kind of thing? Yeah. 
And so um, are we coming into a new industrial revolution or are we not? I don't know. But according to the internet, do yep. you want to hear what they have yeah, to say? Yeah, go ahead. So they, uh, the, according to the internet, some say that Industry 5.0 combines human creative and critical thinking with the speed and skill of automation. And the EU predicts Industry 5.0 will prioritize the well-being of the worker. Hang on a second. I process that. <clears throat> prioritize the well-being of the worker. There's also other people out there that say it's to go towards a wasteless world. But we're talking manufacturing, so... Um, wasteless meaning use every part. Yeah. 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 Which is which is a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic idea. But uh, for our purposes today, mm-hmm. we need to talk about. Uh, well, that's an adage as old as the Indians, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that was something that that Native Americans always prided themselves upon: is they used every part of the animal. Exactly. And so, um, I assume that's what we're talking about with a wasteless world. But yeah. uh, certainly, efficiencies could come from from industry five point zero. Yeah, but uh, there's uh, some facts. Okay, let's get to the All facts. All right, so the facts. Industry 5.0 will support humans, not replace them with robots. Yeah, even Elon Musk tweeted that humans are underrated. <laughs> you, you've heard us talk about the wiggle jiggle. Yeah. So it's hard to take the human element out of things. It is. Uh, Industry 5.0 is about finding the balance of efficiency and productivity. Mm-hmm. And then finally, it's unavoidable. <laughs> it's kind of like in, in Star Trek Next Generation, the Borg. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Resistance is futile. That's right. Um, so this is a lot of stuff, a lot of different viewpoints, and we still can't settle on what Industry 4.0 is. But what's Dan, Brandon's definition? Well, I, I, you know, I think I think we go back to – let's go way back. Okay. And then I'll come up a little bit. That's still back. So so let's just pretend for a second about the first time a human being, a caveman, witnessed fire. The very first time. I mean, if you can put yourself there, think about there is something, you know, there was a lightning strike, struck a tree, and suddenly there's this orangish yellow glowy thing in front of you. And so the immediate properties of fire, as you can tell, it gives off light. So if it was dark, suddenly it's not dark anymore. And you could probably assess pretty quickly that it's hot. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really outside and – and then it's just, uh, it's just amazement at that point. There's this thing that I've never seen before. And, and, and now look at what we use fire for. Oh, it's a lot of I mean, things. We use it for cooking. We use it for, we use it for producing things out of the ground that don't come out of the ground that way. So steels, metals – various types of salts and things of that nature. So all those things evolved. We realized what we could use this tool for. And from that, all kinds of things happened. So I don't know if that counts. I mean, it doesn't count as industry zero. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, to be able to to see something the first time and all of a sudden say, wow, that's fire – we can change the properties of of metal with that before you even knew what metal was, uh, or maybe you did know, but you didn't know what the effects of fire on metal are. Mm-hmm. So, so now we we fast forward to Industry 1.0, steam, water, steam and water production. So, water wheels, the steam engine, things of that nature. Uh, actually, 
2.0 is when we began to put those things together. Uh, that was basically the Henry Ford, Ford world of interchangeable parts and, and getting machines to work together and, and create mass production. Industry 3.0, the advent of the programmable logic controller and using digital devices to control things. Or even, you know, basically wiring up relays and timers and that kind of stuff is still the very, very onset of Industry 3.0. And Industry 4.0 was when those devices begin to give way to intelligence. And now we're talking about Industry 5.0. So Industry 4.0 certainly has a lot of definitions, but we understand a lot more about it now because we have been able to evolve through it, just like evolving from the first time you man witnessed fire to being able to utilize fire to do stuff from cooking to actually creating things. So Industry 4.0 gives us the building blocks. The best analogy I have is Industry 5.0 will be the result of the blocks from all the other industries. Do you have an example? So the the best example that I can think of right now is is Mr. Steve Jobs, who most credit with the inventor of the smartphone. Now, let's think about that. And if you don't know the story, it's a, it's a very interesting story. But Steve Jobs before that had invented the digital music player. Uh, I don't know if he invented the digital camera, but we had digital cameras. And he did not invent the cell phone, cellular phone, but we had cell phones. We had those three things. All Steve Jobs did was said, I'm tired of wearing my digital camera around my neck in the little bag and my phone on one side of my belt and my MP3 player or digital player, music player on the other side of my belt. What if I could just put all those together? And so when he put all three of those together, he created the first smartphone. But he didn't invent the pieces. The pieces were already invented they evolved. He evolved us into a new place. And, and honestly, there's no question that smartphones, smart, smartphones have affected in the last decade, especially, but maybe two decades, have affected the human race from top to bottom. Uh, I walked through, I was walking through Lowe's department store. They have all their spring uh, outdoor furniture set up inside the store, but set up all nice. And this little lady was taking a break and sitting there on one of the cushioned couches just taking a rest. She was probably in her in her 80s. And she had her smartphone going through her smartphone. I turned the corner and there's a husband and wife with their, you know, young teenage daughter following them. They're shopping. She wishes she was somewhere else. <laughs> and she's just sitting there walking and she's on that cell phone. So that smartphone has affected everyone. Mm-hmm. And there are some out there that still have the old flip phones and that kind of stuff. So be it. But you cannot deny from three or four years old all the way up to 100 years old or more, it has affected and can can be utilized by all of that. And so that didn't happen at first. I don't think when Bill Gates, I'm sorry, when Steve Jobs invented, created the first iPhone that was a camera, a music player, and a, and a cell phone, that he may have kind of thought maybe people would use this and it would have this effect. But I don't think so. I don't think he knew. Yeah, and then it's just built upon all the stuff has built upon right. that, hasn't it? So, but he didn't invent anything. He just combined things. Uh-huh. But in combining things, he invented something that changed the world. Yeah. So, you know, we were, I was having a conversation with a customer there in the nuclear industry. And so we were talking about nuclear power plants. And so a nuclear, 
a nuclear reactor just basically takes radioactive. Now I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a nuclear engineer, but it takes it takes materials, creates a reaction. That reaction creates heat. They take heat with it. They heat water. Water turns to steam, and with steam they turn a turbine, and a turbine creates electricity. Well, the- that's industry for 1.0. With the steam, the steam, the water. That's 1.0. Combined in with whatever industry, nuclear fission, fusion, whatever we're doing there, was invented. But my point being, we're still using the building blocks of Industry 1.0. You take out the steam turbine, you're not making electricity, you're just making heat. If your goal is to make heat, winner, winner. But if your goal is to make energy from that process, it must have water, it must convert that to steam, and it must turn something that's connected to a generator that moves magnets across coils of wire and creates electricity. We do the same thing here in the East Tennessee Valley with hydroelectric. Mm-hmm. So hydro and all those kind of things are still they're, they're new newer concepts, but they're still using Industry 1.0 concepts. Industry 5.0 is going to use all of those concepts coming up because they're already in use. So Industry 4.0 was just taking those digitally controlled concepts and and processes and turning them into a smart communications means. The slowest thing that we have, and Elon Musk said this, the the bottleneck with any kind of digital AI, artificial intelligence type system is, are your thumbs. And and that's because we're on smartphones with our, usually with our thumbs. That's how most people type. And, And it's slow. Even if you're speaking, it's slow. So, well, compared to a machine, compared to machine to machine communications. Mm-hmm. And so that's the bottleneck. So, we have taken an industry 4.0 for the benefit of humans. And all this is for the benefit of humans because if, it, if it's not benefiting humans, what's it benefiting? We've taken all these processes that can give us data and define our processes and help us understand our processes more as far as what's really going on. I think as we come into industry 5.0, it's more about taking that data, those means of, of acquiring data and beginning to build it into algorithms that help make decisions. One of the things that's going on right now, why do we have a labor shortage? One of the large reasons is because a lot of the very experienced baby boomer generation has entered retirement, has exited the workforce, and with them, all of that experience. And so one of the big pushes with artificial intelligence is to try to create an algorithm, a machine learning algorithm that will mature just like from a child to a youth to an adult to an older adult and gain wisdom. And then we we bottle that into an app, (laughs) punch in a couple of the basic things that we're seeing or hold it up so it can see the machine or hear the machine or whatever, and it pops out to say, just like the baby boomer would have said. Do the wiggle jiggle. <laughs> you need to fix this. You need to check that. Uh-huh. you got a problem under the hood here. You need to go up top and change that. Try to get it to give us that baby boomer knowledge, and then we continue to build on it and build on it and build on it. And so that is the infant infancy of artificial intelligence that we're in right now, is trying to get computers to be able to think like humans. And adapt and learn like humans. So that's where the uh, human creative and critical thinking yep. goes uh, with the speed and skill of automation. Right. And what are the benefits we get from that? You've got, you've got uh, those. Yes. In order to uh, – yes. So what are the benefits? Do you want to go through the benefits? Well, yeah. So Cost savings? Right. Cost savings. 
You've got predictive maintenance here, and we can talk about each one of these creative customization uh, that's in demand by customers and green solutions and efficiency and productivity. But all that is required in order for someone to remain competitive. Yeah. So we've talked about with Industry 4.0 and industrial IoT systems. So here's your quiz. What's the number one reason to implement an IoT system in manufacturing. If I don't know this, <laughs> then it would be a travesty. <laughs> yeah, I hope I remember which one's the... It's to... Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's to make educated business decisions. That's it. So that's that's what that's why you have an IoT system. An industry 4.0 type system is to make educated business, to benefit the human, the managers, the management that's making the decisions. Industry 5.0... Sometimes with Industry 4.0, we sit there and we look at it and we look at it and we look at it and we look at this graph and we look at this pie chart and we look at this bar chart and we're like, hmm, I'm not sure what would change this. We see the problem, but how do we get to a solution? Because if we get to a solution, we will get, we could get cost savings, we could get predictive maintenance, we could get creative customization, green solutions, efficiency, all these things. That's what we're after. Sometimes you look at a graph or overlay a couple of graphs. Sometimes you have to look at two sets of data, three sets of data, and it's just like, boom, it just pops out, right? Just like the Orphan Annie decoder ring, boom, the secret message pops out, and, and it's easy. We need to stop that. We need to do this instead. But sometimes you need that... 35, 40 year experience, we need artificial intelligence. But do you want to just turn your line over to an app and say, I don't know if it'll work or not? It could, <laughs> it could blow up the entire planet, right? Yeah. So we've got to start being able to put that in. That's where I think we're leaning into, leading into Industry 5.0, right? Yeah. So let's. But what do you want to go through the concerns? Well, let's, before we get to the concerns, I kind of blew through those savings. So let's talk a little bit about okay. each one of them. So cost savings uh, and, and, if you don't think this is important, I guess that's okay, but hit us with a comment as to why, because we think each one of these should be equally important to people in manufacturing. So if you're if you're a production manager, plant manager, plant president, whatever, CEO, I want to know why you don't think this is important for your plant. But uh, cost savings, everybody wants to cost have a cost savings, especially now. Inflation's through the roof, costs are going up. Um Cost savings, more efficient operations, using the least amount of resources to maximize profits. That's your definition on our outline. Yep. It's accurate. Makes sense. Cost savings. We want to reduce cost. Predictive maintenance. Downtime equals cost. Yeah. So if we can predict that, we can now be proactive instead of reactive. Reactive always costs more. Mm-hmm. What else are we going through into this day and time, we're going through a, a global supply cri- a supply chain crisis. And so part of that's because of semiconductors, part of it's because of resin shortages, part of it's because of labor shortages. But if you have a machine go down right now, you may not get that machine up and going for months. Yeah. If you have to have this, spe- if, you, if you don't have a spe- specific thing on the shelf, well, it's not cost effective to create an, an an exact replication of every part and put it on the shelf for a, a single machine or multiple machines. So predictive maintenance using things like smart sensors. Again, Industry 4.0. If it's smart, it's Industry 4.0 stuff. So Industry 5.0 is building off is of... Is building on that. Okay. Yeah. And so some might say, well, that's like an Industry 4.1. Oh. <laughs> but... They don't do points. 
They don't do points. <laughs> and in, in industrial revolution, that's when something happens that really changes the game. But it has to give way to another industry, uh, industrial revolution. It will. Otherwise, it'll die, yeah. right? And so – uh, some could say, for example, that the the phonographic record recording uh, was a game changer for a lot of folks, but it died. Why? Because we created cassette players, and then we created uh, CDs, compact disc, and and now we've got streaming audio and all this kind of thing. Now they're going back to it, yeah, because it's, you know it's kind of a faddish kind of thing. But the music industry changed as a result of it. It's not about selling records anymore. It's about downloads and all these kind of things. And so the whole music industry changed because of it. So an industrial revolution has to give way to another industrial revolution uh, or it, it dies, in my opinion. And so um, can, to run through – so predictive maintenance, uh, the smart sensors, all those things. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're building blocks – when Industry 4.0 was starting, so I got into what we call what what I call Industry 4.0. I was in the data side of things. Remember, you, if you haven't heard my story, this is it in five seconds, maybe. I was in I was in the world of trying to get on the OT operational technology plant floor manufacturing floor world. I was getting dissimilar controllers to talk to each other. So at the time, and still sometime today, some for some manufacturers. A robot controller would not talk to a CNC controller easily. A CNC controller and robot controller would not talk to a PLC and so on and so forth. And certainly they wouldn't talk to a, a PC-based system very easily. And so I began to get into that. I began to get into SCADA systems and uh, middleware-based systems and things of that nature. And it was just – it worked, but there was a philosophical difference because we were having to use PC-based solutions – on an operational technology world, and there was a, a philosophical difference between IT who owned the PC and OT who owned, I guess, the software or needed the software, and how they coexisted. And so that's why we invented the Data Commander. But the point being that being able to when, – when I started that, it was around 2011, that I saw this whole data management communications. The, the Making the things talk was 2009. 2011 – was seeing that this machine needs to talk with what's upstairs okay. in the enterprise and not just in this OT world. I, we were going to have to start bridging the gap to IT. And that was about 2011 in my career. And then, of course, it was 2013, 14 that the data commander came to be, So, um, which bridges that gap. And so uh, I remember having many conversations with many colleagues, older than me, younger than me, mentors, some you know, people that I was mentoring, those kind of things. <clears throat> and having a lot of, you know, over dinner conversations about all the the marketing hoopla about Industry 4.0 and how it was going to have all this stuff communicating and, you know, what a thing is and all this kind of stuff. And we were thinking, you know, we've been doing this for a long time already. We've We've had remote I.O. systems. We've had remote... You know, DCS systems with remote devices, bringing information back and reading that back. And I mean, we've been doing this on the OT side for a long time. But what happened was those sensors that we were talking to, we were not talking really to. We were just reading statuses. So offer on oh. those kind of things. And so what we've seen in Industry 4.0 is we've seen those those sensors, those devices, those things – 
become more intelligent things ah. so that we can have a conversation with them. So it may be just a distance measuring laser sensor, but instead of having to go there to the sensor and punch buttons and say, okay, this is the thresholds. And so when it, when the, if the distance goes you know below this or temperature or flow or whatever, turn on. And if it, it gets out of that window, turn off. Now we can have a conversation and even tell it from part to part to part, change that. Change what your your credentials are, are your high highs and your low lows, all your all your um, parameters. Change change your parameterization for this part from the part before. It's a it's a smarter communication. That's Industry 4.0. That's some of the stuff that came as a result of Industry 4.0. So now robots, CNC machines, all the stuff that I was dealing with in 2009 because it wouldn't talk. Uh-huh. Now they talk. And so <clears throat> those are the benefits in the building blocks of Industry 4.0. But now that they're all talking and all of them are chatty Cathy, yeah. what are we going to do with it? We can pull it back in and we can get our, our graphs and things of that nature. And so predictive maintenance, we can watch what's going on. If we see something changing, see a, see a trend, then we can apply some logic, some math, and say, okay, we think that this machine, this bearing, this gearbox, whatever, this pump is nearing its end of life. And so we're going to predict that schedule the downtime so we're ready for it and we're not reactive. We're going to go ahead and get the new new pump on order that takes is 4 months. We're going to this thing may we think it'll make it 6 months so we're going to go ahead and order the 4-month pump and prepare to do a teardown before it breaks. Yeah. <clears throat> and and go from there. And so those are cost savings. That's how we can benefit from this green solutions by producing and managing minimal waste so we get a better handle on our stuff. So scrap has always been a big deal. We want to reduce scrap because scrap's expensive to get rid of. It's not good for the earth a lot of times. Well, aren't there companies buying scrap depending on what the scrap is? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, well, and, and, and to some extent, you are getting to that wasteless in, in, in the, wood, the wooden pulp industry. Well, even better in in the the hardwood flooring and cabinet making and that type of yeah. stuff. You know, a lot of that oh, all industry, that pressed wood, all that kind of stuff, reusing it all. I've been in places where just the sawdust they collect the sawdust and then they'll blow it into a a furnace and burn it. Oh, that, my my grandmother used to save the sawdust so she could do her woodwork and fill in holes with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but at the at the factories, they'll pull the, the burn it. They'll burn it. What happens when you burn it? You create heat. heat. What can you do with heat? Steam stuff. You can <laughs> go create energy. <laughs> you can you can create steam. That steam can turn a turbine turbine, and and they generate their own. So they regenerate a lot of their own. So uh, smart power. And so they're using it all. I mean, and that I remember seeing that the first time when I was in college. That was back in the 1900s. Um, and so, it sounds so, so long ago. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of these are not new concepts, but... They're applying new technology or combining technologies. Right. Okay. Because sometimes getting re- reducing your scrap is going to require more, more precision, more than a human can react to. Fast enough. So if we can get machines reading this stuff back and then adjusting themselves, now all of a sudden we're moving into, I believe, the onset of Industry 5.0, the next industrial revolution where suddenly factories control themselves while humans benefit from it. So what are the concerns? (laughs) (laughs) There's always concerns. Uh, So, yeah, um, the largest concern is that anything excessive, excessive automation, stuff like that, that we become totally reliant upon it, it fails. And then what happens? 
you're worse off than you were before. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think that's just like we've talked about cybersecurity in past past episodes and things. Like that. Everything risk. comes down to a risk analysis. Mm-hmm. If if your machines are making safety pins or paper clips, it might hurt your bottom line as far as not making the truck and sales, mm-hmm. but it's not going to. I don't think it's going to affect the world if there's a paperclip shortage because we you're still the, have staples. Yeah, but if if it's a nuclear reactor, oh. you need to have redundant systems. You need to be able to have, have you know fell over type prevention. So it really comes down to what you're doing. Uh, not everything, even IoT. So in in automotive, traceability is huge. In, in medical, traceability is mm-hmm. huge, and that's where the IOTA does it. You know, just shines is because it handles. Uh, workflow management, it greatly allows customers to greatly reduce their what we call defect uh, flow out. Mm-hmm. And so it'll, it'll allow a customer if you, or a company, if you're, if you're able to trace your parts, which means they've got to be marked QR something, uh-huh. but uh, RFID, something like that. But if, if you allow, if they can be, be followed through the processes and then there's quality checks within those processes, then we can tell if a, if a, if this particular part failed a quality check upstream, get it, take it out of the the process, out of the queue, or rework it and reintroduce it. Okay. And by doing that, you don't get to the very end, and you've you've not expended all the materials, mm-hmm. all the energy, mm-hmm. all the labor, and all the cost associated with making a part that you knew was going to be bad upstream. And so, a lot of those types of things um, certainly come into uh, you know the 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 utilization of industry 4.0 having a, a machine do that and automate that certainly there's a lot of systems out there where if it, if it misses the quality check and it's a fully automated process it just rejects the part but you don't want to just throw that away no. <clears throat> you want to try to utilize it because that you have some cost in that already mm-hmm. and so uh, industry 5.0 having a machine communicate something to a human, and have that human try to surmise the the solution or the adjustment that needs to take place in order to make that whatever they're seeing better, whether it's cost savings, whether it's reduced scrap, whether it's predictive maintenance and efficiency. We haven't talked about efficiency, oh, but the right. last one is a, uh, the green solutions, minimizing waste and scrap. But efficiency and productivity for for uh, humans, it's to make things more efficient. Mm-hmm. But if a human's having to do something, to tweak something, to twist a knob, tighten this, or write a program, or uh, tweak a value inside of a, a PLC program or whatever to try to improve it, that's not efficient. No. Industry 5.0, in my mind, or maybe this is 6.0, and Industry 5.0 is going to be getting us to that, is when we get rid of those inefficiencies. I don't prefer it being implanting a chip in my brain so I can have the machine talk to me just like it talks to the other machines. That sounds invasive. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, but I do think we develop artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms to the point that machines can control and make decisions with for other machines and have influence and have that conversation. No different than if, if you were standing one end of the line running your process and I'm at the you know, down downstream and I say, you know, the parts are coming in too quick. You need to slow down and you make adjustments to slow down. The machine's doing that so that humans don't have to get involved. Yeah. But there is scariness about that. So what 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 do we do to solve that? Yeah. Right? What do we do? So this is where I think industry five point at least as we move into it, this is what we're gonna see. Okay. We call that digital twin. Ah. So digital twin is a is a I don't know maybe that's a new concept or a new new word or phrase for for folks, 
we've talked about digital twinning for a while. Uh, it kind of was a thing before it had a name. Okay. Uh, so we use that a lot in, in 3D solid modeling. So there are a lot of 3D solid modeling CAD softwares out there that you can design an entire plant, an entire factory, everything in 3D space. We can even uh, apply limitations or restrictions to things to say, you know, to emulate how the mechanics will work. So if a robot, for example, can only move in certain ways based upon all the joints in the configuration of the robot. And so if you get it on a computer, you know, if you take away those limits, you know, joints can just spin on top of the, they can pass through each other, all this kind oh. of stuff. So you need to emulate what's real, what's realistic. We've been doing that with, with robotic simulation for quite a number of years. A lot of robot manufacturers, um, two that come to mind, we represent, uh, Fanuc and, and Motoman, have simulation envir- environments. <clears throat> and so these simulation environments will allow you to put in a, a 3D solid modeled type environment and then drop the robot in and actually begin to program it in this simulated world. Nice. You can then take other simulation programs, so PLC simulators, HMI simulators, other things that we would use on the line in OT. Put them all together? And have them all begin to talk to and share information together. So as the PLC simulator is simulating what the PLC would see, it's sharing information with the robot, and the robot's sharing information with it. And now you can begin to digitally twin your process. Ah. It's like the holodeck from... Star Trek. Okay, okay. So so we create this virtual or digital representation of our process. So we've kind of already been able to do that. Is that like augmented reality? Well, augmented reality augmented reality is for humans. Oh, oh That's where okay. we put on the glasses and or you, just like your smartphone. So when if you're doing Instagram or something like that and, and you put on a filter that changes you, your head to a kitty cat or an alien or something like that, uh, but the rest of you still you, you're in the room. That's augmented reality. Virtual reality is when nothing's real. Yeah. It's all a cartoon, right? But in our case... So digital twin isn't a virtual? It's not. It can be. It can utilize augmented reality to put you into the situation oh, as a human. Okay. But the, uh, the whole idea for digital twin or the limitation has been we have these means of digitizing and simulating, but your simulation is only as good as your simulated environment and yeah. simulated things. So when you're putting all these different simulation things together, do they talk to each other? They or? can talk to each other, yes. Is it e- but if I'm doing a simulated input here from the PLC side saying this came on, you know, this sensor came on, or you can't even some sometimes you can't really emulate external things like the smart sensors. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so there's limitations. You can only get 60, 70% close to what what the real thing would be if you're trying to to see if this will work or try out scenarios and things of that nature. Industry 5.0, in my opinion, is taking taking the digital environment to digitally twin your very real, very out there on the machine floor running line, and then in a real-time fashion, take sensor data, smart sensor data that's going in that line, as well as the PLC code and everything that's running in that line, and having that come into the ah. simulation. So you're not having to simulate your simulation. Okay, okay. And so we begin to pull that into this digital environment, and now we can tweak with it, just like the holodeck. Oh. And if the line explodes, it's no not problem. a big deal. The best the best analogy I've got, because I'm, I fly airplanes, 
is there in in flying airplanes we always we all there's there's been huge huge conversations on what we call the impossible turn. The impossible turn is <clears throat> you've taken off, you're climbing out from the airport, you just just gotten off the ground and you're you've established a climb and you lose your engine. Oh. Can you turn the airplane around 360 oh, yeah. degrees and come back and land at the airport or can you not? Oh. And so there's been a lot of people talk about that in different models and all this kind of thing. It's kind of a fun pilot kind of debate that we have. In our case, though, it's not one you want to try. Uh, no, I would simulate it first. <laughs> if you do try it, you're taking a chance, but you don't want to actually really turn your engine off. You want to feather it back a little bit, but have it still running. You want to be able to make sure you can get that engine back on just in case you don't make it. And then also, it's just not a good thing to do because you're really close to the ground, and when the airplane meets the ground, bad things happen unless unless you know you mean for it to. But in a flight simulation environment where we can simulate uh, environmental conditions and things of that nature, now if we don't make it, we're okay. We just try it differently. We try it differently. We 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 simulate things through the input of real devices: the control yoke, the the throttle, is stuff that uh, and the rudder pedals are are things that the human can be inputting. As they're seeing this virtual environment. So it's almost virtual reality, augmented reality. But we're able to go through those and see if we think, you know, if you make it one time out of 10, then the chances are the answer is no. You you shouldn't try that maneuver. (laughs) There's probably safer maneuvers in that situation. So in industrial manufacturing, same kind of thing. That's what I believe we're moving toward in the onset of Industry 5.0. I believe the the end, 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 end game of Industry 5.0 is that we finally feel good enough about the algorithms that we've built based upon this digital twinning process Work that up. we will be able to say, okay, now let's implement. Ah. And in the real world, we implement those things and let the machine start tweaking the other machines back and forth, having this conversation. And suddenly, we're not really replacing humans. We're just... We're just accomplishing all of these things, cost savings, predictive maintenance, creative customization, green solutions, and energy efficiency and productivity at at record pace and highly efficiently. Because me hollering to you, it's too fast, slow down, is already inefficient. You having to, having heard that, decide how you can slow it down is inefficient. Mm -hmm. If we can do that in microseconds or milliseconds, then suddenly it brings out something completely new. And from that, you will have your next industrial revolution. So I think, and again, <clears throat> my crystal ball is just as muddy, as a, the water is just as muddy as everybody else's, but I feel like the Industry 4.0 ha- is still maturing. It's establishing the building blocks of intelligence that we need from the edge devices, the things, the sensors and things of that nature, up through the PLCs and the processors and the robot controllers, and even up to the data management systems and that kind of thing. But those building blocks, just like Industry 1.0 supports nuclear power generation, those building blocks will be what creates all aspiring (laughs) innovation of Industry 5.0. Awesome. So it's a different point of view. It's something we're already into. So we should do a podcast another time about 
companies that are doing this. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's our next podcast, but it's probably in the <laughs> near future. It'll be in the Rolodex, yeah. that, if you know what a Rolodex is. <laughs> so, all kinds of stuff. And this is not quite Marvel Marvel Comics. I don't know if we're ready to put a iron suit on that's got you know some type of ion-based jets in the feet and the hands and fly around. But who knows? Maybe an Iron Man suit's right around the corner. But Industry 5.0 is certainly something I think we're on the cusp of. All right. Uh, so industrial automation, it doesn't have to be Industry 4.0. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate your time. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And remember, give us those ratings if you, if you love it. Give us comments. We want to see the feedback. And uh, if you want to see what we look like and not just my baritone voice, check us out on our YouTube channel uh, or LinkedIn. That's right. So, All right, Beth, let's call it. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Have a good day. See y'all. See you guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out today's episode of Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. I hope you enjoyed it. If so, make sure you give us a rating that's pretty doggone high and do that everywhere you listen, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Also, don't forget about our website. That's www.elitech.com. That's E-L-L-I-T-E-K.com. If you want to reach out to us there, you can fill out our contact form. We'd appreciate it. Also, you can email us at info at And certainly for those of you that still like to dial the phone, give us a call 865-409-1555. We'd love to hear from you. 